Hello, my name is Catherine Kahn, and you're listening to the first ever Ethical Geo podcast from the American Geographical Society's Ethical Geo Initiative. The AGS Ethical Geo Initiative, which is made possible by generous support from a Midyar network, examines the ethical implications of geospatial technology and tools. Today, we have gathered Mr. Greg Babinski, Mr. William Perry Evans, Dr. Alfredo Hironava, and Dr. Dara Seidel from the inaugural class of Ethical Geo Fellows to weigh in on the debate surrounding location tracking during the COVID-19 pandemic. As the coronavirus spreads across the globe, many governments are turning to geospatial technology and location tracking to understand the spread of the virus, enforce quarantine requirements, and monitor the movements of their populations. In China, the government unveiled an app on the phone of all citizens, tracking where each individual has gone and the paths of others they have intersected. The app assigns them a color code indicating their health status, letting them know if they may have been infected and must quarantine, and also transmits their location data to the police for enforcement of quarantine mandates. The New York Times is calling this automated social control. In Israel, their National Internal Security Agency is using a previously undisclosed and secretly accumulated database of location histories, originally collected for the purpose of combating terrorism, to backtrace the travel histories of patients and alert them if they were in contact with an infected person. Iran launched an app for the purpose of helping people identify symptoms of COVID-19, but it just so happens it is also being used to track people's locations in real time. In the United States, our tech landscape is quite different from the rest of the world. Outside the state of California, our data privacy is largely unregulated. It has recently been reported that the White House is in talks with tech giants, including Facebook and Google, requesting customer data in anonymous, aggregated forms to use to map the spread of the infection. And that brings us to our conversation today. Geospatial data and tools, including location tracking, are extremely valuable in policy planning and may have a place in assisting to respond to the COVID-19 pandemic. However, Many privacy experts are concerned that a renewed impetus to collect the location of all global citizens will lead to massive infringements on their rights to privacy and could set dangerous precedents for the future. We have with us today four experts in the field of ethical geo to discuss this ongoing debate. Mr. Greg Babinski is a marketing and business development manager at the King County GIS Center, working on developing a set of best practices for GIS practitioners advancing so equity and social justice. Mr. William Perry Evans is a project manager for Humanitarian OpenStreetMap in Tanzania, exploring the efficacy of using advanced GPS systems to advocate for property rights in informal settlements in Dar es Salaam. Dr. Alfredo Hironava is a postdoctoral research scholar at the Future Earth and National Center for Ecological Analysis and Synthesis at the University of California, Santa Barbara. He is mapping global poverty in fishing communities across the globe. And last but not least is Dr. Dara Seidel, an independent researcher and recent PhD graduate of the joint doctoral program between San Diego State University and UC Santa Barbara. And she is working on producing a video series and associated curriculum resource packets for secondary and high school teachers teaching about geoprivacy and geomasking in the digital age. Welcome everyone. Thanks for being here. Let's get started. While we come from various backgrounds and are involved with geoethics in different ways, we all follow the research surrounding geolocation data and are familiar with the ongoing privacy debates. In terms of location tracking during coronavirus, how do you all feel about balancing the privacy concerns versus contributing our data for the greater good? Let's start with you, Greg. Greg, how are you looking at this? Uh, thanks, um, Katie. Um, 
So GIS operations, I think, are almost uh, pretty well attuned to citizen privacy rights in general and privacy rights in specific areas, such as HIPAA data and criminal justice data. But there's also a lot of personal data that's in the public record and available through GIS. For example, property ownership data is usually public record and accessible via GIS. So most COVID-19 case data, I think, is going to fall under HIPAA restraints, and I think that's happening right now. GIS can still be applied as a tool for C-19 response, but within the public health firewall that is protected by HIPAA. There are many GIS users and applications that are already HIPAA certified. So to the degree that we trust public health professionals, good COVID-19 response decisions based on detailed source data that they can't share with us, the general public, I feel comfortable that privacy can generally be protected. Thanks, Greg. Dara, what would you like to add? Even as a privacy advocate myself, I'd say that I'm open to the use of location data for mitigating this crisis. We talk a lot about geo for good, and in the case of COVID-19, if location data can help save lives and prevent suffering, I don't know where there's a better example of good. But my concerns are that the aims of a policy to collect location data from, say, smartphones, cell phones, or credit card transactions is something that should be specific and limited with a compelling estimated outcome, say, an N% percent reduction in cases compared to alternative policies or strategies. The main proposals we have out now to use location for contact tracing, one of the purposes, which is determining who was in the vicinity of an infected individual. And a second is to determine whether people are complying with quarantine restrictions. I think the most important questions for a location tracking proposal for these aims are, how will the health data about COVID-19 be linked to the location data? Who is going to see the data? and where does the information get stored? Finally, a main concern is what's gonna happen when the crisis ends. Will the policy set up a surveillance infrastructure that will remain in effect even when coronavirus is less of a threat? These are what I, I'm, the questions I'm thinking about. That's an interesting perspective, Dara, from a privacy advocate, thank you. Alfredo, are you inclined to agree? Hi, Katie. Um... Yeah, I am inclined to agree. And um, in general, I want to say that when thinking about COVID-19 and how different countries around the world are responding to it, there's one case that stands out as an early and efficient response, and that case is South Korea. Um, based on a report in the New York Times, uh, we now know that they approached the problem with a combination of partnerships with the industry to produce massive amounts of testing kits. Uh, division of labor by establishing hundreds of testing centers and also an aggressive strategy to trace back activities from people who were positively tested. For example, as Dara mentioned, using GPS, coordinates, credit cards activities, even website tracking. Unfortunately, this means almost a total loss of personal privacy, but in less than one week, the number of new daily cases in the whole country went from 909 to only 64. In the U.S. and the rest of the world, a similar strategy could probably work, um, but maybe we need further explicit statements on what will happen with this data once the crisis is over, and that statement should be made by the authorities that are going to be using the data. Thanks, Alfredo. 
Well, what's your perspective on the issue? So as, as the other fellows have mentioned, there's a tremendous amount of social good that can come from incorporating location data in the health interventions against COVID-19. But uh, when it comes to personal data, this is especially sensitive, especially uh, if the data is misused or gets into the wrong hands. Um, this is even enshrined within international human rights law. Article 12 of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights begins, no one shall be subjected to arbitrary interference with his privacy. So I, it's important to think of, of data protection as a human right. In, in the case of COVID-19, there's just too much risk in not using any location data to, to limit its spread. Companies or governments should do their utmost to protect user privacy by anonymizing the data. But uh, as, as Alfredo mentioned, South Korea is a good example. Um, for example, their, their director, uh, the director of their Center of Disease Control Prevention, recently said that they'll try to balance the value of using or of protecting individual human rights and privacy with the value of upholding public interest in preventing mass infections. There's a lot of interesting studies going on in Asia for sure. Well, thank you everyone for your comments on that. I want to move the conversation back to the United States for a moment. The tech landscape is very different here than in the rest of the world. For most of the part, it's unregulated and also dominated by the private sector. In other countries, especially in Asia, like we mentioned, governments with greater access to their citizens' data have already instituted policies to track the spread of the virus. Here in the U.S., the government is has to request to access location data collected by private firms, which leads to a central question in the privacy debate. Who should be viewed as the more resp responsible party for personal location data, the government or private tech firms? And does your view change in times of crisis? Let's start with you, Will. So it, it's, it's really hard to say, and it, and it really depends. I mean, either companies or governments can misuse the data. It just depends on who's in the driver's seat. What I would suggest is just to make sure that anyone who is using the location data adopts codes of conduct and operational procedures for, for the ethical and principled use of information. As a citizen, I'm not comfortable with either private companies or government agencies tracking my movements unless I'm aware of its use, and, and I trust that it will be used uh, as set forth in the data agreement. Uh, I would say that my view does change in times of crisis. Um, in my day job, I work for the humanitarian open street map team where we respond to crises. And so this is something similar to what we're doing in the Democratic Republic of Congo, where we're addressing data gaps there, using data to trace um, known contacts of Ebola. So this, this can just be so useful in, in the fight against the, the current pandemic. That's a really interesting perspective coming from past experiences tracking Ebola. Thanks, Will. Alfredo, where do you fall in this debate? I completely agree with, uh, with Will on regardless of who is using the data, either the private sector or the government, we need to set those codes of conduct and operational procedures. Um, I also want to highlight another point in that it is a very curious phenomenon to see how in the US and Europe, citizens are generally okay with term for tech firms having their data and using it for even marketing purposes. We all know that, for example, Google Maps is sharing our data all the time and we accept terms and conditions. Uh, but when it comes to the idea of the government doing the same, even if it's for the purposes of controlling the spread of COVID-19, everyone gets set off. In the end, the crisis needs a partnership between tech firms and the government. And the ultimate responsibility, in my opinion, during this period should be with the government, as it needs to provide a guarantee that the data will be only used for the purposes of controlling the epidemic and that this data will be protected under any other circumstances. 
Yeah, I absolutely think that's so important to keep in mind as we move forward. Dara, how about you? I agree with Will and Alfredo to the extent that it depends on the case who would be more responsible for protecting personal location data, whether it's the government or private industry. But I would lean towards the government, I think. In the last 20 to 30 years, private companies have for sure outpaced the government in terms of the wealth of data collected about individuals. And while most data privacy regulations that we have in the United States apply to databases maintained by the government, the US government is no longer the primary data authority. There is an argument that private companies have an interest in self-regulation to protect consumer location privacy so that they do not invite kind of sweeping regulations from the state that would needlessly stifle needed innovation. And in some cases, companies have been more protective of personal privacy than the government. One example being Apple's refusal to weaken its encryption for backdoor access to iPhone data. Still, self-regulation by companies is up to the morality of the company, and it can change at any time. And on the flip side, we have examples of domestic government surveillance, such as the NSA's PRISM program and the Patriot Act for collecting detailed internet and call records from domestic citizens. Uh, But still, there is a greater history and culture of regulation surrounding protecting privacy by the government. So my view doesn't quite change in times of crisis that the government might ultimately be more responsible with respect to personal location data. Absolutely. Thanks, Sarah. Greg, how are you considering all of this? Well, um, I think it really depends on the government. Um, You know, we think about uh, our national government, you know, we're focused on other national governments. We also have the phenomenon in the United States that we have, you know, uh, states and local governments that are actors in this also. But I think mostly the government would be more responsible compared to private companies. Private companies have profit motives that usually do not align with personal privacy rights. Um, but that said, um, I think all of us share uh, health data with private companies through the personal data uh, online patient portals that we have. So, you know, I think we all have some experience with private companies having our, you know, quite personal health data. But when it comes to something like COVID-19, I'm not necessarily judging other countries like China or Korea, especially China where the privacy of personal data is not well protected. By our standards, how China has used and is using personal data uh, would make GIS professionals' hair stand on end. But we should be thinking now, but should we be thinking now of relaxing or changing our standards related to the types and quantities of personal data collected? Um, Like other speakers, I think, yes, collecting more data might involve private public partnerships or at least cooperation. For example, stopping the spread of COVID-19 requires people to stay home or in isolation, social distancing. Social distancing, you know, implicitly is about location, even if people are not, especially if people are not hospitalized. In the coming months, uh, if the coming months show that too many people are breaking quarantine, then does it become in the public interest to require a phone app that might, for example, tell a store, a place of business, an airline, a transit station that a person is clear or should be in quarantine? It's really a question of balancing privacy rights with the public good. 
Thanks, Greg. I think that this is such a central tenant to the privacy debates going forward, and it just won't go away, even after COVID-19 hopefully uh, takes its leave. So I think I want to move on to another central tenant in this debate. And um, Dara, you kind of mentioned this. We've all seen some examples of similar surveillance policies that go unchecked and then are extended indefinitely. Once national governments build the infrastructure and databases they need to track the virus, should we fear invasive surveillance policies like these continuing past the time of the pandemic? I also want to focus on that specifically in terms of the U.S. Um, And Dara, I'd like to start with you, since your work centers around the ideas of geoprivacy. Do you think that location tracking for COVID-19 can open a Pandora's box? I don't I don't want to strike too much fear into the hearts of, of Americans. But yes, I believe that any policy of location surveillance to mitigate COVID-19 should have what is called a sunset clause, where the data collection stops and its infrastructure is dismantled when the crisis is effectively over. I would take this a step further and advocate for destroying any location collect, location data collected during the process. If we take previous crises in the U.S. as an example, the surveillance activities set up after 9-11 in the Patriot Act in in the form of wiretaps and business record searches, despite having sunset clauses, were continued to be renewed and are in place today. So we've seen before surveillance activities set up in times of crisis go on unchecked. Absolutely. I think that's so important to consider. Will, do you have anything to add? I do. Um, you know, some have said this can really change the scope of American civil rights. Um, so, so the current and future surveillance efforts definitely threaten the balance that we have right now with public safety and personal privacy, and really on a on a global scale. But it, it does go back to politics, as as Greg was mentioning before. It's about who's in control. We have vastly different governments who view civil rights very differently. So again, we really need to have a framework that allows companies and and the government to cooperate to ensure that we have the correct response for public good. Absolutely. That's a great point. Uh, And Greg, how about you? Uh, Yes, I think if statutory privacy requirements are relaxed to aid in the COVID-19 response, you know, say on a temporary basis, then there absolutely is a danger that continued invasive surveillance is going to continue. Um, You know, I also feel that geographers and GIS professionals should be in the front ranks of this discussion. And I applaud AGS on, on, you know, bringing this topic to public awareness. And really, unless we think through these issues now, we may be too late to put the genie back in the bottle. Personally, I'm going to be urging uh, the Urban and Regional Information Systems Association, URISA, to start considering this public policy issue and make a formal statement on on the future of COVID-19 related data and um, sunsetting of the the environment that I I think we're edging towards. Thanks, Greg. That's really important work. Alfredo, what would you like to add? Um, I just want to reiterate my point that we need to explicitly know what data is going to be used what are the specific objectives and what will happen once the crisis is over. Uh, To Dara's point, uh, this sunset policy um, is probably the most important part and and it needs to be openly communicated by the government to the public, what is going to happen with all of this. Otherwise, uh, I doubt that the public will be fine with this and, and that these policies will move forward. Thanks all for weighing in on that. I have one last question for you today. Do you think that the public consciousness converging around these debates over privacy and public good 
will help guide the public to consider the ethical dimensions when they, when they make decisions about using geospatial technology. Alfredo, why don't you start us off? Yeah, sure. Um, so more and more often, I get my family and friends sending me notes about these topics and hear their different opinions that range from how, how dare they invade privacy in such a way to like, I guess it's for the greater good. So I definitely think that this debate about the ethical dimensions of using geospatial technology is becoming sort of mainstream. And we will keep seeing how the public engages more and more with us in these conversations. So as a silver lining to all of this crisis, I think that the public is becoming more aware of, of these issues about geolocation and ethical implications. A lot to consider for sure. Thanks, Alfredo. And Greg, what's your opinion? Well, um, wow, having the public consider ethical dimensions, uh, what a concept and challenge in the current political climate, even you know outside of the COVID-19 crisis. I think the major challenge for the vast number of citizens will be raising their understanding of what the issues are. Uh, but maybe it is a good time. You know, recently in the media, there have been privacy concerns about ring technology and personal home assistance. Um, you know, these things have been in the news and, um, you know, there's there's some awareness about, you know, this invasive um, invasiveness in our lives. COVID-19, you know, I fear, you know, it's a reality. It's going to be in the history books and how we respond to COVID-19 is going to be in the history books. So we all need to consider every aspect of personal life, rights, and liberties as we go forward. Another interesting perspective. Will, what's your outlook on the situation? So I'm a, I'm a little bit of a skeptic here. Um, you know, I was reading an article the other day um, from the New York Times about what it's like to come home to the stigma of the coronavirus, about people who'd been on cruise ships um, who'd, who'd had their identities revealed and were receiving hate mail and death threats. And I... I think you know in that article one of one of the one of the commentators mentioned that you know the way that we think about risk is through our gut feelings and I think you know it's it's also the way that people are reacting um, to to the pandemic I mean it's it's hard for people to really have strong reactions until they've had a personal connection with it so um, I, I think that you know, people may have to have more sort of negative outcomes before the debate becomes truly national. But I do think the discussion is advancing. And I think that against all of the fear surrounding the, the pandemic, I think that ethics and civil rights may take a backseat, unfortunately. But it, it has such an enormous impact. So I think we need to keep talking about it. And I, I really think we need to understand the consequences. Thanks, Will. I couldn't agree more. Dara, would you like to close us out here? Sure. Building on what Will said, I think that with any luck, these conversations will continue and hopefully beyond the circle of the usual discussants, such as the ethical geo fellows. I, I think if there is some kind of surveillance program similar to that of China, where we get a message on our smartphone saying whether we may leave or self-quarantine based on our location histories, that this might make people think about where the data are coming from and how these decisions were made. This might also encourage the public to consider what other decisions could be made about them based on location, such as different insurance rates or employment screening based on location histories. 
One question that Will brought up that the public really seems to want to know is where exactly there are confirmed cases of coronavirus and why health departments don't release counts by small geographies. I think that this is a really great starting point for conversations about health and information privacy that include location. Absolutely. And we're hopeful that more people will become engaged in the debate. Well, thank you all so much for a robust conversation today. That's all the time we have. Clearly, there's a lot to discuss, and the debate, the debate will likely continue on. We will be following these stories and the programs instituted in jurisdictions around the world. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at EthicalGeo and on our blog at EthicalGeo.org. Again, this is Catherine Kahn from the American Geographical Society. Thanks for listening. We hope to have you back for our next installment of the Ethical Geo podcast.